and welcome to our special episode on the importance of goals of care and advanced care planning during the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Kevin Dong, and I am an emergency medicine physician from Hamilton. And the reason this podcast was made, because many of my colleagues, as well as physicians in primary care, palliative care, and other specialties, recognize the critical importance of having advanced care planning discussions with their patients during these tough times. As many of you are already aware, the COVID-19 pandemic is already here in Canada, and our hospitals are expecting significant volume increases in patients. Additionally, although all of our hospital leaders are working day and night to ensure all our patients have the best quality care, the reality is there may still be a shortage of resources available for our communities. As evident in Italy and now in New York, lack of ventilators and critical care resources will create extremely difficult scenarios for ER and hospital physicians when they will have to make difficult, difficult decisions on who receives care and who doesn't. Imagine a scenario where you're a physician and you and your healthcare team will have to tell an unwell COVID-19 positive patient and their family that you don't have the healthcare resources to put them on a ventilator or any other critical care supports to save their life. Unfortunately, these incredible difficult decisions are happening right now in those countries, and we may be in the same situation in a few weeks. In order to help facilitate these potential discussions, we need to prepare now. Even before the pandemic, many patients and their families, when asked in a critical, life-threatening situation in the emergency department, if they ever had a discussion about their goals of care, or their code status, or any type of advanced care planning, many will say they have not. The decision then becomes an extremely difficult one, as sometimes families will need to try to guess what the patient's wishes would be, or sometimes are not sure who the substitute decision maker is. We as physicians must advocate for our patients and their families by initiating these incredibly difficult decisions now. For primary care physicians, this means bringing this topic up during routine visits or setting aside blocks of time during your televisits to call a select group of patients who are at high risk. There's plenty of data showing that elderly and vulnerable populations such as immunocompromised are at risk of having increased mortality and morbidity if they were to catch this virus. Raising awareness and bringing these tough but vital conversations now is going to prepare us for what may be coming. In order to help our docs to start these conversations, HFAM, the family medicine community in Hamilton, has created a task force consisting of primary, palliative care, and emergency medicine physicians to strategize and take action about having advanced care planning discussions with their most vulnerable. In order to dive deeper into this, we have two of our prominent members join me in this podcast to chat about this topic. I've invited Dr. Aaron Gallagher, a palliative care physician and family physician, and Dr. Jim Williams, a family medicine physician working in Hamilton, to describe what is coming through the pipeline in terms of helpful strategies to help our colleagues begin their discussions with their patients. All right, everyone. So thanks for coming on to this podcast. I have two special guests on with me, uh, Dr. Aaron Gallagher and Dr. Jim Williams, who are family physicians as well as uh, have a lot of, of expertise in palliative care as well as, and, and they're very, both very passionate about advanced care planning and uh, goals of care discussions uh, with our patients. Thanks for both of you guys for coming on to this podcast. Before we begin, I, I really want you guys to have the opportunity to introduce yourselves, where you work and what your roles are and all that. So Aaron, maybe you want to start? 
So I'm a family physician here in Hamilton at McMaster's Family Health Team, which is one of our larger teaching units in the city. I'm also a palliative care physician, so I do consultant work for uh, McMaster Family Health Team, but also the uh, Hamilton Health Sciences Hospitals here in Hamilton. Awesome, Jim. I've had a practice in uh, Dundas, which is a suburb of the city of Hamilton, uh, for uh, almost 42 years now. Wow, 42 years. That's amazing. You, you know a thing or two, eh, Jim? I hope I've learned a thing or two from my <laughs> patients over the years. Yeah. Uh, I have two experts and people who are very experienced in advanced care planning and goals, goals of care. And uh, like I discussed in the intro, we are very passionate about this. And especially in the time of our pandemic that's going on in, in Canada, as well as the local community, we really want to be proactive. So before we begin, I mean, I really think that we should have a conversation about what we have done as a task force locally and what we're doing in Hamilton and what our objectives are. So maybe, uh, Jim, do you want to get started on kind of talking about our, what our task force is and what we're doing to try to promote these discussions with our patients uh, in our community? Yes. One of the things I'd like to say is that uh, I've been very impressed with the task force when everybody in the healthcare community comes together to solve a problem during this crisis uh, the speed and professionality with which this has been done is truly amazing. And I think the main objective of uh, this task force is to allow those members of our community uh, who are likely to uh, die from coronavirus to have a voice in where and how that death is going to happen. Yeah, and I would add to that, you know, that um, unfortunately, because of this new context that in healthcare that we're working in, there things are changing in ways that, you know, a lot of us have never seen before. And so, you know, rules are changing and resources are changing and people are going to be and the system is going to be overburdened for quite some time moving forward. And it's not just people with coronavirus who, you know, this is important for right now. It is the people who already were sick and will continue to be sick and maybe wouldn't have gotten sick had there have not been an overburdened healthcare system. So the population is, is really quite large that we're trying to target right now. And in the task force, you know, there's there's two groups of people. We're looking to not just talk to the public about these important messages, but we're also looking to speak with healthcare providers who are on the front lines, who are going to be now, you know, ideally not forced, but now forced to have a lot of these conversations with people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very difficult, and I, I think that uh, it's it's already difficult before the pandemic, and and now it's becoming very evident, especially from the other countries, that that the coronavirus is uh, ubiquitous and that's it's causing a lot of issues and, and high mortality actually in certain populations. Uh, if we were to get it, I think that this task force was created to help educate and bring awareness to the situation so that we can, uh, all the players involved, whether it's your patient, primary care physician, specialty physician, emergency physician, have the ability to have these conversations and so that uh, all everyone's aware of what the, the their advanced care plan and their goals of care, goals of care are. Yeah, awareness and, and also providing the, the some of the tools, right? I see that as another sort of focus of this task force is giving people the tools to be able to do this. And and unfortunately, tools are needed because this type of work and these types of conversations to be done well and to not be a challenge um, requires a culture shift, 
right? So we we live and work in this death-denying society, and we have for as long as I'm aware of. And here we are now with, you know, the potential for morbidity and mortality all around us. And so this is going to be a bit of a crash course for things that should have been happening in the first place, but but weren't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've already kind of addressed some of these, but why is it so important to have these discussions with our patients? I mean, what are some some, some things that will be very helpful for our patients, you know, during this coronavirus pandemic? Why, why should we have these conversations? I like to think that there's something positive that we can gain from, uh, from any crisis or, or seemingly negative event. And I think uh, I'd like to echo what Aaron said, that these conversations about advanced care planning and end-of-life care are conversations that we should have been having with our patients uh, and patients should have been having with their families for a long time. And I think this this crisis is is going to stimulate the uh, highlight the need for these conversations. And uh, I think that with the distribution, uh, the access to the the tools that can help to guide those conversations, that's going to assist the healthcare providers that are involved in the conversations, but also the families and individuals themselves, because in normal circumstances. Uh, these are not one-time conversations. This is this is a conversation about how people view illness and death that changes over time. And hopefully when we come out of all of this, these conversations will not end for those of us that are fortunate enough to come through this. Yeah, I think, you know, these these conversations are important now, even though they always were. Because the the healthcare system is is changing significantly in response to the fact that people's chances of, of getting sick and needing to make serious decisions around the care that they do or don't want, that those chances are increasing drastically. And so rules are changing and resources are changing. And, and I will reiterate, that is not the reason to have these conversations, but it is the elephant in the room. Right. And so often I, I take on numerous orphan patients in the community and, and that title is directed at patients that do not have family physicians and often have not been followed regularly in a healthcare setting for some time and where these conversations have never happened. Right. And, you know, they have a, a progressive life limiting illness and they find themselves at the end of that illness without the information that they need and having been questioned about their values and their wishes until it is way too late. And then people are getting treatment that they don't want. So that's how I would frame this. I mean, yeah, we're in a, a crisis here where we've got people who are overworked and we don't have enough things like ventilators and, and you know, many, many other things. But we have to frame this uh, for people, not just what they do want moving forward and what their important you know, values and wishes are, but, but certainly what they don't want. That's the, that's the, the utmost power that we have right now as, as patients. I think you address, you both address many important concepts there that we need to address with our, our most vulnerable patients. Speaking of all those important aspects, what type of patients should we be having these conversations with and why? 
everybody should be having these conversations. But now we're in a situation of higher acuity. And so if anybody needs to be having these conversations, it's definitely because we know that the outcomes are are poorer in people who are older. And that is by uh, nature of being at higher risk of having uh, comorbidities or multiple comorbidities. Um, so people, you know, certainly with lung disease, heart disease, kidney disease, any chronic progressive life limiting illness, certainly, you know, people with cancer. Um, so anybody that has uh, significant concerns about their health right now needs to be having these conversations. And then you think about um, as well, the people who need to be having these conversations need to be one to identify as caregivers of these people. Hopefully the messaging comes out and people who are looking after individuals who are sick are able to initiate these conversations as well. Yes. One of the uh, advantages uh, of electronic medical record systems is that it's very easy to identify a cohort of patients. And I uh, identified all the people in my practice over the age of 70, uh, but found I had over 400 patients. I've chosen to prioritize, and much as Aaron said, I've, I've started by contacting people that are at most at risk because of chronic illnesses. And as I work down that list, uh, my hope is that before this pandemic really strikes in earnest, I will have had a chance to talk to all 400 of those patients, as well as the patients outside of that age group that, that have chronic illness that uh, significantly increases their risk. I think we've all recognized and shared our concerns that and we we do need to have these conversations even though they're going to be extremely difficult and they always were very difficult so how do you recommend our community physicians and how, how do you recommend our family physicians and any really physicians start this conversation what are some helpful items or maybe physician toolkits that are being developed and or provided to facilitate this process uh, the reason that it is so important uh, from my standpoint that family physicians or primary care providers start this conversation is that we have a unique relationship with our patients over time. And these difficult kind of conversations are so much easier when they're initiated by someone that you trust and someone that you believe has your best interest at heart. Talking about difficult subjects like coronavirus and chances of survival, use of respirators, all of those kinds of issues are much easier to discuss with someone that you have a long-term trusting relationship with. Yeah, I, I, Jim, I'm so glad that you said that because that was one of the points that I definitely wanted to emphasize uh, during our discussion today is, is the unique position that we're in to have longitudinal relationships with our patients and, and knowing aspects of their life and, uh, and of who they are that are very important for making these, these types of decisions. And ideally, advanced care planning right, which is knowing the values and the, the things that are important for somebody and how they would affect their decisions down the road. So something like a goals of care conversation, you know, you cannot have a goals of care conversation without appreciating a patient's context and what's important to them by nature of the definition of it. You know, you need to be able to, especially as a healthcare provider, one of our responsibilities is to make recommendations for people. And you, you just can't do it by throwing statistics at people. 
you know, if they, if they hear, oh, this is the chance I'll, I'll make it out of this. That's one thing. But what are the chances that I'll make it out of this and still have a quality of life? Right. And that quality of life is defined by the advanced care planning discussions that we have. So, you know, again, I think in primary care, this is a wonderful place to start these conversations, um, just as it is with family members who have even more intimate knowledge about their loved ones and the people that they're looking after. The other thing that I think is important to acknowledge uh, as a family physician, uh, I've found that there's a there's a grieving process for myself that goes sorry that goes along with this process and uh, i think make physicians aware that that that's uh, a normal part of the process uh, but we need to make sure that we have uh, uh, a mechanism to make sure that that we have an opportunity to acknowledge that grieving and deal with it Absolutely. Thanks for your comments, guys. Do you have any specific helpful items or toolkits that uh, can be provided to facilitate this process? Do you have any specific things that people can use to start this conversation? I mean, we all know this conversation is important and integral and very difficult. Uh, and so we need to help these physicians uh, have the tools to, ha- to make these conversations uh, and have some kind of way to, to address it. So do you guys have any helpful items for this? Our relationship with patients is definitely tool number one. Tool number two is the fact that everybody is talking about this virus, right? So we have an in with literally everybody. They come into the office and they talk about their anxieties or, wow, how the world has turned upside down or, or, or. And it's an opportunity to say, you know, wow, you sound, you sound quite anxious about this, or you sound like you're worried about this, which can eventually lead into a, you know, have you ever thought about what you would want to happen if you got really sick? You know, so like there is just a, a, a very simple entry point and something that I have used particularly with patients who are elderly that come into my, my office, coronavirus aside, right? And they're losing a lot of their family members and friends to natural causes, just by nature of their age and they come in and, you know, this is on their mind. People around them are dying and it is actually a a beautiful and natural point of entry into having these conversations. And then, you know, to bring this up and to actually have a physical tool, the one that I probably use the most and the one that is relevant to our local context, because there are different rules and regulations around signed documents and what matters and what's legal and what isn't related to advanced care planning, depending on the province that you live in, let alone country. And so Speak Up Ontario would be probably my go-to resource for things like this. And they have resources dedicated for um, physicians, um, but more importantly, uh, resources that can be targeted towards family members and, and patients who can, and it guides them through having these conversations even outside of our offices. So it's a nice thing that we can refer to and ask people to look at in their own time after we've given them some context about about what it is. That's really helpful. Advice on how to phrase those questions in a way that uh, you can start to bring up those uh, conversations, I think, is really vital to um, to some of our physicians that may be listening today. What do you recommend are some key topics of discussions that must be had 
especially in this time of pandemic, because as like you guys have alluded to, as important as these these questions are, they can be long and they can be multi-sessional discussions, which are all part of the process and it is very important. But in terms of the gravity and the immediateness of this pandemic, what are certain things that we really need to address and and uh, to talk about with our patients in this uh, in the COVID pandemic? Sure. So I think um, the question that applies to everybody, and this is a, a good bang for your buck question, what are the abilities for you that are so crucial that you cannot imagine living without them? And when people hear the word abilities, they often think of physical abilities, like I need to be able to walk, I need to be able to look, you know, go to the washroom on my own, things like that. And they're very important. But there are many other abilities that are just as crucial, you know, being able to uh, sit in and enjoy someone's garden, being able to tell jokes with their grandkids, being able to continue, you know, some of their their artwork or um, hobbies, things like that. And really just picking through that is is relevant to everybody. Further topics that can create some more anxiety in people because there is a spectrum of people that related to their anxiety for planning ahead. Some people want to know absolutely everything that there is to know about what is to come and they want to be in control and they want to plan for it. So Jim, I'm sure you'd agree. You have a a group of people in your practice who have already planned their funeral are on their, you know, 18th version of their will. They have a power of attorney appointed. They know the plot of land that they're going to be buried on, you know, things like that. So the details are also important because at the end of the day, when somebody dies, I don't think people appreciate the administrative work that goes into the process after the fact. And this is a time when a family is supposed to be grieving their loved one, you know, similar to to what you were saying, Jim, we all grieve when we contemplate losses of our patients and our loved ones, but to not be given the time because you are arranging, you know, bank accounts and funerals and insurance policies is, is, not the way that I'm sure most, if not all people want to leave their loved ones. And so those are important details that can be discussed uh, and planned for because not only how somebody dies leaves a legacy for the family and, and the memories that they take with them. So, you know, making the actual death as comfortable and as as predetermined as as is possible um, is a good thing, but also the the time that comes immediately after when a family is grieving. And then the other thing that needs to be discussed and is essential is how you're going to communicate this to somebody that may have to make a decision on your behalf if you're unable to. What a lot of people don't know is that if you are in a situation and you can't speak for yourself and you have not appointed a power of attorney who can who knows you well and knows what's important to you and could make decisions in your best interest then the government actually has a hierarchy that they will go to and that is made to decide for you so if you are a parent and you have eight children and none of them get along you can imagine the complications that come into play when you don't have a designated person to speak on your behalf 
And the, the power of attorney stuff, I mean, if you go to the governor general's office and you just Google power of attorney kit Ontario, you know, all of this information is there. And, you know, the, the requirements and the, the forms to fill out are there. With the speed at which uh, pandemic is approaching and, and with the fact that a lot of the, the seniors that are at risk, particularly computer literate, uh, I, I'm not sure that there's time for people to, to go to websites and, and assign powers of attorney at, at this at this point in time. And I think I think that the other thing that uh, we haven't, or at least I have not figured out how to address is that that there, the grieving process that I was talking about earlier, normally families can can grieve you know with funeral services and and other options with with this many of the patients that I've talked to their greatest fear is that they may die without family members being able to be present and and as we know there's there's no funeral services or opportunities for families to come together to uh, to share their grief so that is going to be a real challenge moving forward in this crisis I think those are challenges that actually are already happening in certain parts of the world. So it's it's daunting and it's very scary to be in our position. However, I, I think that those points are actually strengthen the reason why we need to have these conversations now is that if those things happen and a patient is in a situation where unfortunately due to the contagious nature of this virus that they may need to pass alone or die alone, that if they had had these conversations before and had these very meaningful conversations with their families about their wishes and what they would like and maybe what they wanted to say to the families before all these things happened, I think it would hopefully give a little bit of closure and a peaceful, even in a way to pass, even in this, these dire and uh, obviously not the most ideal circumstances. So I think that those things that you brought up, Jim, are in some ways even more of a strength and, and, and the importance of why we need to have these conversations now. Yes, yes, I agree. And I think that we need to, uh, to make the, the conversations with our patients quite COVID-specific. And by that, I mean, I think we need, to, we need to tell them why they're in a high-risk group and what, what that means in terms of how this illness might unfold. And I think Again, because of the relationship that uh, that we have with our patients, I, I think that we can be quite blunt and give them information that is specific to them and their particular health situation, so that they're not guided by by the the reports in the media or the press, uh, which obviously are, are are very general. But I think when it's more specific, it it hits home. And it also, as, as you've said, Kevin, emphasizes the need to have these conversations now. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd like to really reiterate, I mean, like I said, I'm an emergency physician and the amount of times that I've had to have conversations with family members who are there, but I've never had these important advanced care planning and goals of com- uh, care conversations with their loved one and their loved one can't make a decision. There's nothing that they've had. And, and that's not even the written part. They just never had that conversation at all. And that uh, lack of awareness. And like you said, Aaron, there's been situations where there's four or five family members and they've all 
have different opinions on what uh, it should be. And it becomes very challenging for the emergency and the hospital physicians to then have to make a decision on what to do with uh, the care of these individuals. So I really, really am thankful that you brought, both of you guys brought those issues up because it's uh, something that's that happens even before the pandemic happened on a regular basis, unfortunately, and, and it's going to be even more common during the pandemic. So I think that uh, we really need to, as a physician group, have these conversations with our patients now. Well, I'm hopeful that this, this podcast and other initiatives will will make it less likely that people will arrive in the emergency room without having had these conversations. And, you know, in, in all honesty, when when these conversations, I'm talking about pre-COVID, but I think it, it certainly applies now as well. Most people, far, far majority, are extremely thankful for the information, right? So as long as you ask for permission to give it in the first place, are you are, are you okay if we go there? Are you okay if we talk about this? Are you okay if we talk about how your health relates to COVID and, and why I might be worried about that? If you ask for permission to talk about prognosis, if you ask for permission to talk about things like this is your chance of survival. If, again, COVID aside, if you were in a situation where you needed something like CPR, we're, we're talking more now about goals of care discussions, but people are, are genuinely just thankful for open and honest communication as long as they are prepared to receive it. And so as a two-part process, are you okay if we talk about this? This is why I'm concerned. And then, you know, getting into some real specifics. People are generally really quite thankful. That's really good to know because, you know, I have many family physician colleagues who I have conversed with about this topic. And many of them are concerned that families and patients will be upset about this conversation and that my colleagues who are all amazing physicians, they just don't want to break that bond between physician and patient. And I think that, you know, that's totally tough and I understand, but uh, it's good to hear that many patients, at least from your experience, Aaron, uh, really want to have these conversations and they're thankful. Do you guys have any thoughts about breaking that barrier? I feel like that is something that I think many physicians probably listen to this podcast are thinking about. I've had uh, 30 to 40 conversations with patients specific to the COVID pandemic. And uh, every one of those patients has thanked me for initiating the discussion. Uh, and it certainly has not uh, damaged my relationship with, with any of those patients. I think, you know, that is that secondary to the fact that these conversations have not been have not been happening, you know, even prior to now. So people don't feel equipped. Right. And I think in medicine, by nature of many of our personalities, we want to have answers and we want to have algorithms and we want to know how to treat and how to go about doing something. And for a lot of people, this is going to be the first time that they're paying a lot of attention to this. Right. They've they've probably had advanced care planning and goals of care conversations before, um, but never this concentrated. And so, like I said, it's going to be a bit of a crash course for people. And there are resources out there that help us have these conversations. You think about the Serious Illness Conversation Guide, which has now multiple adaptations, which was used as a training tool for people who were just starting to learn how to have these conversations. 
And so when you give it to, I think, a physician, especially somebody like Jim, who has been having these conversations for four decades now and has these beautiful relationships with his patients, you know, to throw something like that in his hands, it probably feels extremely artificial and very awkward. So it does. It takes practice. It takes um, some spiels, but you have to start somewhere and there are tools to help you start there. We're all nervous about this and about what's to come. And I think we have to use this opportunity and this motivation to really train up people in these skills. I think another important point is that we know that this coronavirus does not spare people of any age. And I think for physicians who are uncomfortable with the conversation with patients, the place to start is to have this conversation with your own family and loved ones and and face your own thoughts and emotions around death and dying. Once you've had that conversation, it makes it much easier to have conversations with others. Yeah, Jim, that's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, th- that's a point that I actually stress to a number of uh, the residents that we teach in this program at McMaster is don't expect to be able to have these conversations with your patients if you can't even fathom or have practiced having them yourself. Here, here are the definitions of what an advanced care plan is and who it applies to, and it is everyone. So if you if you can start by practicing with what's important to you and, you know, really try to, to tease that out for yourself, it, it makes you more relatable in a conversation like this. It's a really great point, Jim. Absolutely. And I, I just want to remind the listeners that one of the goals of our uh, task force is actually to provide uh, centralized info uh, where we can have a lot of the these things that we discussed, like the Serious Illness Conversations Guide. We will be providing these, these packages of resources to you via the HFEM network. So please stay tuned for those things. And Dr. Tammy Packer will also be updating you guys with this stuff as well. So keep us uh, in your minds and we will provide you with all the information to, to help get you started and to really aid you in the process of reaching out to your patients so that we can all make a difference. Now, to move on to the next question, and I think this has also been brought up by some of my colleagues as well, is that family physicians are busy. It's not only about COVID, although it obviously it is a very big aspect of what we're doing right now. Now we're doing televisits, so you can't even have that face-to-face conversation. So do you have, do you have advice on, especially what we're, what's going on right now and how they can go about scheduling these conversations with their patients and especially in those busy schedules? I mean, what have you guys done to mitigate these barriers? Uh, For me, my schedule is actually uh, much less busy than normal. The phone calls uh, tend to be briefer, and there's a lot of people that are expressing a desire to stay away from my office right now. So the, the calls that I have made to patients have generally been during my regular office hours. And I do, in each of those calls, I acknowledge the fact that this is not a conversation that I would normally like to have with them via telephone, but because of the circumstances that uh, that there aren't uh, other options, every everyone has been uh, very accepting of that. There are there are good ways, especially for people with EMRs, to be able to have a starting point. 
for where or for who these conversations are going to be had with. And I know at our clinic, we put in some demographics, certainly like age and, and various medical conditions as a starting point for us. And similar to Jim, the phone calls are being made um, for a lot of us from home because a lot of the care that we're doing is on the phone and virtual visits right now, which has made something like this a little bit more practical. Uh, some of the things that aren't as urgent are, are being postponed for the safety of patients in particular. I would add that my experience has been that uh, the majority of these phone calls are in the 10 to 15 minute range. They're not lengthy discussions. But again, that that may be partly a reflection of the of the length of time that I've known my patients. And that's actually a really good segue into our next question is, what if people, whether that is the the patient or the families of those patients, what if they don't make a decision during that television? I mean, you, you talked about 10 to 15 minutes. Is this having these conversations still useful if, if people, even if people don't make these decisions during the televisit? Absolutely, they are. And I, as an advanced care planning discussion, it's less less about decisions, you know, because none of us have a crystal ball. None of us know what's going to happen to us in the next hour or day or week or month. It's it's not as focused on decisions and more just around really overtly questioning what your values and your priorities are so that you and everybody that, you know, needs to know around you can make decisions when you are in unique circumstances and and can apply those things that have already been well thought out in a time of crisis, like if somebody were to get sick with COVID. The purpose of the conversation is really to kind of give permission for these conversations to start and also to, to, to plant a seed in terms of people beginning to understand and learn how these conversations may take place and the benefits that come from that. So the majority of the conversations I've had have not resulted in patients making a, a kind of final decision about uh, whether to allow natural death or, or whatever. But, but I, I'm, I'm quite confident that, that starting that process is going to still reap benefits uh, if these people do become ill with corona or later in their life with, with whatever. I, I'm hoping that these conversations will not just begin and end, but continue to be an ongoing process. And, and that's what they have to be, right? It, over time, people's quality of life changes and what they maybe would have valued in their first advanced care plan, you know, may not apply anymore. There's there's a different range of what people would or, or wouldn't want based on how their quality of life has changed over time. Absolutely. Thank, thank you guys for those uh, excellent comments, uh, very useful pearls as well that I'm also going to take into and think about uh, after this podcast. Now, we're nearing the end of our podcast. I just want to leave you guys the opportunity to contribute any other last minute pearls or last comments. Maybe, Jim, do you want to get started? Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of great useful information here, but do you have any last minute pearls or comments uh, before we finish? I know that a lot of physicians and other healthcare providers struggle with the issue of withholding certain treatment options uh, for people in, in the midst of this uh, corona virus crisis and and particularly issues around use of respirators and artificial ventilation it seems to me that nobody has expressed any concern 
about not, not offering intravenous antibiotics to patients with coronavirus. So I don't think if, if we have another treatment like ventilation that's, that's equally futile, why would we have difficulty in, in not offering that patient or, ex, or explaining to patients that in the same way that intravenous antibiotics are not going to be helpful in saving your life with coronavirus, putting you on a respirator or putting you in, in the ICU is also likewise not going to save your life and therefore futile. Yeah, I think that that raises a good point. I mean, unfortunately, the media has shaped a lot of the conversation that is happening uh, in homes all over our communities. And and the focus is on things like respirators. And it's very easy to get caught up on on that one specific thing. And just to reiterate that this conversation is, is about so much more. And I think the emphasis has to be that we're not refusing to put you on a respirator because we don't have enough respirators. We're, we're not putting you on a respirator because that is not, gonna, not going to help you, help you live longer. And with any particular quality of life that you have determined is, is important to you. Yes. All right. Thank you guys so much for being on this podcast and, and really sharing your expertise and experience to our listeners. I think hopefully they've gained a few pearls and and also really just the gravity of the situation and the fact that we really need to have these conversations as soon as possible. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Really be safe, guys. Let's continue to spread the word and make sure that we can work together to fight this pandemic together. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kevin. And, you know, kudos to you for the work that you're doing in regards to this as well. Yeah, thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks, Aaron. I would like to thank Dr. Jim Williams and Dr. Aaron Gallagher for their amazing insights on this podcast. We all believe this is an extremely important topic and something that we must discuss with our high-risk patients as soon as possible. I just want to summarize the podcast for our listeners so that we can take away some key pearls. Number one, we have to recognize that as physicians, we have a duty to discuss even the most difficult topics with our patients. We must take the call to action and advocate for our patients and bring awareness to the need for advanced care planning discussions in the time of COVID-19. Number two, Patients who are susceptible to unfavorable outcomes from this virus are the elderly and other vulnerable populations, such as immunocompromised and patients with multiple comorbidities. We need to make an effort to discuss goals of care with these patients, if possible. Number three, these conversations are not only for high-risk patients. Everyone must be involved. Families and loved ones should also have these conversations so that we can all prepare. Number four, as physicians, we need to help facilitate these discussions and guide patients to the appropriate resources. We as the ACP and GOC task force will be sending out resources for both physicians and patients. Additionally, we are also heavily involved with the public health communications teams in the city to get the message across to the patients as well. We have to work together to make a difference. Number five, having these conversations during televisits can be tough. But both Dr. Williams and Dr. Gallagher suggest that many patients are thankful to their physicians who they have good relationships with that they bring this up. Many patients are anxious about the coronavirus and having someone they trust 
To talk about goals of care and advanced care planning can be comforting and supportive so that patients and their families can make their own choices with what they want with their lives. Now, before we finish, I was taken aback by Jim's speech when he started to talk about his close relationships with his patients. I asked him to record a little bit more about how he, as a family physician, is dealing with these discussions. Jim has been a primary care physician for many of his patients who are elderly and frail. So to hear him talk about the bond he has with them, it really brings light to how everyone is feeling during these tough times. Jim, I was, I was very struck by the emotion in your, in your voice just now. And I, I wonder if we need to pay a little bit of attention to that because there's going to be a, a lot of physicians uh, listening to this, I hope, right? And, and gaining some knowledge. But, you know, I, I, I would imagine a lot of them are or can relate to some of the feelings and thoughts that you've had throughout this process. And I wonder if we should just explore that, you know, for a few minutes. Do you mind speaking a little bit more about how you've been feeling and in contacting some of your patients? I'll just say off the top that I'm a pretty emotional guy. I I cry at weddings and funerals and when I see my grandchildren and all those kinds of things. So I, I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. But it's really struck me as uh, even before I started to make the calls to my patients that uh, looking at the statistics and what's happened in other jurisdictions uh, I could potentially have 30 or 40 of my patients die within the next few weeks. And many of these people I've, I've known for 30 or 40 years uh, and had a relationship with them that uh, I think has, has been a privilege from my side and, and hopefully a positive thing from their side. So uh, to, to talk to these people uh, and thinking that some of the people that I'm talking to, it may be the last conversation we have. It it is a a difficult a difficult time. Uh, fortunately, I have a lot of support within my family and from my faith, and that helps me to uh, to continue to uh, to have the courage uh, to make those calls and to know that it's that it's necessary. And uh, it is very gratifying. To, uh, to get the thanks and the feedback from the patients in terms of how important those calls are to them. Yeah, that, I think that is such an important layer. You know, we, we talk about these advanced care planning discussions like there's a checklist to it, but the, the emotion that goes into it and, you know, you use the word grief, Jim, which is totally appropriate, right? It's that anticipatory grief that we talk about so much in healthcare, not knowing what our losses are going to be, but knowing that they are going to be paramount. So thank you so much for, for sharing that because I think it makes a podcast like this very relevant to the people listening to it and, and it makes it relatable. So thank you. And thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Please check your emails for more information coming at you in the next week. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And let's advocate for our patients. Take care.